As we deal with climate change and other dangerous situations in the world, do you feel some fear, anger, sadness, depression, anxiety? Yep, me too. I get it. Especially the last few months, I fell into some really dark emotions around the state of the world and the future of humanity. But I've recently climbed out of it, and I want to share my experience with you today in case it helps you deal with your emotions about the state of the world. So let's dig in. Welcome to the Human Survival Podcast, where we aim for world cooperation on critical threats to humanity. This show is offered by the Human Survival Project, a grassroots movement for citizens around the world to push for transformation of the United Nations. Our global threats need global cooperation because no nation alone can manage them. Here we have honest conversations about overcoming climate change, destruction of nature, pandemics, nuclear weapons, advancing technology, and other catastrophic threats. But this is not all doom and gloom. We talk solutions here. We can solve this mess humanity is in. We just need to be smart and do the work. To survive, we must see ourselves first as citizens of the human race. To thrive, we must protect what is beautiful about humanity. This is urgent, so let's start. Hi friends, welcome to the Human Survival Podcast. I'm Shelby Murtis. Thanks for joining me, I'm glad you're here. So today is gonna be different than most episodes of the show that I've done. Um, Usually I tend to jump straight into the issues and the problems in the world and the policy solutions. But today it's gonna be more personal and I'm gonna talk more about myself and what I've been going through lately and some of the emotions that I've been grappling with. And the intention here is not to be self-indulgent, It's that I know a lot of other people are going through similar emotions and grappling with similar stuff. And this is a way for us to all go through it together. Um, The last few months I've been kind of in hibernation. Um, I really have not done much with this podcast. I haven't been uh, producing a lot of episodes. I have been doing some work behind the scenes as um, I'm working to start a nonprofit organization called the Human Survival po- uh, Project, which I will be telling you more about um, soon um, in more detail. But lately, though, I got really depressed and I've been grappling with that. And I'm getting a handle on it now, and I'm re-emerging, and I'm refocused on my work, so you'll be seeing more of me. Um, But I want to share what I've been going through in case you're going through some similar feelings, or you know others who are. Um, Because basically I've been depressed about climate change, and I know I'm not alone. There are a lot of people struggling with this. Um, I've read articles about how therapists are seeing more and more people coming to them trying to deal with their grief and their mourning and their sadness and all that around the unraveling of the world. It's pretty tough. Um, But I'm also sharing this because I think this all informs how we talk with other people about these important issues and how we can best do public communication in a way that's effective. Um, We just have to grapple with all this stuff. So something you should know about me is that I'm a pretty calm person. Um, You may even notice it, you know, watching or hearing me. I'm a pretty relaxed guy. I'm not a panicky person. Um, I'm certainly not an angry person. Like I don't get into arguments with people or, you know, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, like whatever, I just shrug it off. You know, I, I'm not angry and I'm not really fearful about stuff in life. I'm pretty relaxed and confident. And so these feelings I've been having about the state of the world and our future sort of go against my usual personality. And You know, I've also, in doing this work over almost three years now on the Human Survival Project, I've developed some resilience about thinking about these big existential threats all the time. Um, But yet, I just fell in a funk. And what happened was, 
I attended this online um, event that was hosted by Joanna Macy, who is a fabulous person. And if you haven't encountered her work, you should just Google her, go on YouTube, just check out what she does. She's really awesome. But in this talk about climate change, she shared some information that was new to me. And I've been studying climate change for decades now. I've been an environmentalist my whole adult life, and I've been paying attention to this stuff. But I came across some sort of scientific analyses that um, lead me to think it's far worse than most people are talking about, and we're in for a pretty dangerous future. Um, now, right now in the world, what's probably seen as the most comprehensive scientific resource about climate change is the International Panel on Climate Change, um, which is sort of attached to the United Nations. And, you know, they have so many scientists have come together on that. And it's really a valuable resource, what they've done. And I have huge appreciation for um, the work they've done. Their reports paint a pretty bleak picture of our future um, as it describes the whole mess of um, disastrous things that could happen as climate change accelerates. Even that alone is pretty darn bad. But I've heard recently about how that summary of the IPCC and the framing of the issues and communication about it is actually a bit watered down because it's a political process. And there are some countries who have wanted to just kind of like calm it down and not panic everybody. Um, and so it's actually, I believe, far worse than that. So a couple resources I came across, um, you know, did not really surprise me. In fact, it did the opposite. It sort of reconfirmed my fears about what we might be in for. Um, as I've looked at all this for a long time now, I've been thinking like we've gotten too far here in allowing climate change to accelerate. And um, even if we turn back now and just like stop all our emissions right now, we're still in for a really tough time because we already have a lot of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. Even if we stop adding more, those gases are still going to be there and still warming the planet. And so that was sort of confirmed by these couple analyses. And I'll, I'll put links to these in the show notes. And I really encourage you to dig in and, and consume some of this material. Uh, one of them was by Jem Bendel, uh, called Deep Adaptation, where he basically looks at all the climate science, but also ties it to the way our civilization is constructed and looks at our economic systems and government systems and how we keep everybody fed and taken care of. And, you know, he believes that a collapse of civilization is inevitable in our lifetimes. I mean, unless you're super old, I don't know. But, you know, I'm only 51 years old. I hope to have another 50 years left. But they're talking about, you know, it could be in 30 years. Everything falls apart. Um, another resource is the organization Job One for Humanity, which is basically, um, you know, a group of scientific researchers who have come together to analyze the impacts that climate change could have as it unfolds. And they're predicting that climate will greatly accelerate in about three to nine years that will sort of switch into overdrive in its progression. And that in the next 30 years, we could lose half of humanity. So one out of every two people alive right now could be gone. So this just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, you know, before then I was thinking, well, yeah, this looks really bad, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but now I'm thinking I'm not wrong. <laughs> and um, no one can predict the future, obviously. But, you know, just looking at the science, it's not looking good. 
And this is not me really being panicky. It's not like going down a rabbit hole of, I don't know, social media alarmism or something. These are really credible scientific folks who actually know the stuff even more than me, who are telling us we're in for a very, very tough time. So the reason, like I said, is that climate or greenhouse gases are already in the atmosphere and those are gonna persist for a while and keep warming the climate. But then we're re reaching all these tipping points where climate change affects other things, which then causes more climate change. So for example, um, permafrost is melting up in northern um, climates. So this is releasing methane into the atmosphere, which is a greenhouse gas, which then warms the climate more, which then melts more permafrost and releases more methane. And it's a continuous cycle. Or there's the melting of the Arctic sea ice due to warming. So ice is white and it reflects sunlight back into space, but instead darker waters will absorb that heat and um, warm the climate. And then the warming climate melts more ice and that's a continuous process. We've got all these forest fires that we've been seeing around the world and these are happening or contributed by climate change. So climate change dries out the trees, they burn more and that releases carbon into the atmosphere atmosphere so there's more climate change and then there's more forest fires there's the stalling of the ocean currents which is sort of like heat moves in patterns throughout the ocean and it's sort of a heating and cooling system for the earth and as that stalls um, that affects the climate more and then we've got the amazon and other rainforests that we're losing and um, those are incredible, um, potentially a way to fight climate change because they can absorb carbon dioxide in, in great amounts from the atmosphere. But instead, as we have all this deforestation and destruction, it's causing it to burn and we could lose the entire Amazon. And so instead of having that ability to withdraw carbon dioxide, we're putting tons of carbon into the atmosphere which then makes it worse. And so here we are hitting all these um, feedback loops and it may be too late to unwind it. And then this is all on top of massive destruction of nature in so many ways. So right now we're in the world's sixth mass extinction where we're losing species faster than at any time um, since the end of the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. And we greatly need intact nature to deal with the climate because nature can withdraw that carbon dioxide. Um, without nature, it's going to accelerate more. And that destruction of nature can hurt us in a bunch of different ways beyond climate in terms of food security and water security and all that. Um, and then beyond simply all these physical um, impacts in terms of extreme weather, storms, hurricanes, floods, fires, food shortages, water shortages, etc. Um, it's very likely that this could be too much for our governments and our economy to handle. These systems don't seem these days to be resilient enough to handle all this. Um, even today, in a relatively intact climate and nature, governments are not really doing well and economies are not always doing well. And so this might just be pummeling our systems more than they can really handle and they might break. Um, and so as the climate warms, we could see massive migration as people are simply unable to live where they currently are right now. So there's predictions that we could have 2 billion people on the move. Like that's billion with a B. And we've never seen that many people on the move before. And without an or you know, a way to actually orchestrate that and manage it, it could be very destabilizing. And we could have tons of people starving and going hungry. We could have more pandemics from the disrupt disruption of nature. Um, we could have warfare as 
countries fight over limited food and water and other resources. And really, we've never seen this many people suffer all at once, and it could lead to rioting, stealing, governments failing, violence, kind of like a breakdown of the social order. So this is what I've been sitting with lately. Um, my intention here is not simply to depress you. Trust me, there is positivity on the other side of this. We're going to keep talking through this. And um, I do believe there's a more positive way to think about these things. Um, but really, this is just where I've been at. And so this did a couple things to me as I really digested this information and got to thinking about it. It just gave me a lot of fear. Um, and even in a more personal way than I'm used to. Like I've really gotten to thinking, you know, as the climate unravels, where should I live? Where will it be safe? You know, how will I eat? Will I have water to drink? You know, will I have to grow my own food? Will I have to learn how to be a farmer? Should I buy a gun in case like there's marauders trying to steal my food? Like this is the kind of stuff I've been thinking about, you know, what, what'll happen to my family and friends and everyone that I care about? And how will I witness the death of billions of people? Like, that's about the saddest thing I could imagine living through. And so as I've had those kind of feelings, it's then been even more difficult to be in public in this culture where so many people just don't seem to understand how um, urgent this is and they don't seem to understand the impact of their actions and so i'm just seeing so much destructive behavior around me like basically everybody over consuming everything and so i'm out in public and i see tons of disposable stuff just you know trees and oil turned into like disposable bags and food packages and disposable cups and I see so many people eating meat even though it consumes enormous amounts of land that otherwise could be nature. Um, I see people buying more than they really need. I see people living in homes bigger than they need. I see people flying in planes just to go have fun somewhere despite all the carbon that it burns. Um, this is what I'm witnessing and it's, I've had to deal with a lot of anger and typically I'm not an angry person. And so anger is not something I'm really good at managing. Like that's new for me. And so I've just been struggling and it's been burning a lot of my energy, feeling angry all the time. Um, just a reference point for this. The Global Footprint Network is an organization that gathers data um, around the world on humans' impact on the planet. And they tell us that humans are basically using the equivalent of 1.7 Earths. So we would need 1.7 Earths to feed all this consumption that we're doing. But obviously we don't have that. So we're 70% 70, 70 beyond the safe zone of what we could safely consume. Now, Americans are sort of leading the pack in consumption. So if everyone on Earth consumed the way Americans do, we would need five Earths to support that. And clearly we don't. And so here I am in my American culture in sort of like the hotspot of, you know, overconsumption. And it's just been really difficult to witness. And so it brought me to this point of feeling unmotivated about my work on this podcast and the Human Survival Project. Because I got to feeling like, why bother doing this work? Like, we might be screwed anyway, no matter what I do. And also, like, why should I work so hard when most people around me don't seem to care and don't seem to get it and don't seem to be trying? 
It often feels like I'm working extra hard so that the next guy can just be oblivious and destroy things. It just is not a comfortable feeling. So I recently reached this point where I started to really notice my emotions and their impact on the work that I do. And that surprised me because um, ever since I started doing this work uh, almost three years ago, I felt really passionate about it and really excited and engaged and just hitting it and loving it. But I found myself not feeling motivated. And I'm like, Shelby, you just got to take care of this. <laughs> like, go <laughs> fix this. So I went to this wellness retreat a couple weeks ago where I was with a great um, group of people, a fabulous community there of, you know, others like me. We're all trying to better ourselves and figure out our lives and be better people, you know. And it was a chance over three days to really get away from my life and focus on this for a little bit and did some really deep emotional work on myself. Um, and I'm so glad that I did. I feel like at this point, I found a more positive story with all this, something that I can lean into and just feel better about. I'm not claiming that I feel all like unicorns and rainbows about like the future and everything's great. Um, I still grapple with these things, but I'm in a much, much better place than I was before. So it's kind of what I'm here to talk about, really, is, you know, I realized that I was carrying around this anger and this fear, and I just got to let go of that in order to function better and be a little happier. And those emotions are based on a story that I'm telling myself in my head. And I need to let go of that old story and replace it with a better story. Um, so that really, as I get triggered by the world, instead of, you know, telling myself that old story, I've got a better story in its place. Um, so around the anger, as I really made a conscious decision to let go of some of that, um, even though I felt justified in being angry, I mean, it's kind of like somebody coming in and destroying my home. Um, it's not helpful. And as I let go of that, I've realized that basically people are decent people, usually. Um, almost everyone is a decent, well-intentioned person. It's just that they don't understand how bad it is. And they also don't understand the impact of their actions. Because they just haven't learned what I've learned and what other people have learned about the state of the environment and the climate. So I look back on my life, even just a few years ago, in terms of my own personal consumption and how I live my life. Things are very different now than the Shelby a few years ago. Even though I've always cared about the environment, I've always been a nature lover, um, I've always cared about this stuff. I didn't yet know what I know now, and I didn't quite understand the damage I was doing with my purchases, with my various consumer behavior. And now I understand more because I've spent this few years doing intense research about all these issues. And so instead of being angry, I need to just teach people, like just be a teacher all the time. So with this podcast, that's an opportunity. And with this new organization I'm trying to form, that's another opportunity. But even in just day-to-day -day life with individuals that I interact with, I'm embracing the opportunity to talk about this stuff because there's so many opportunities, you know? So all my friends and family members have heard my concerns about, you know, eating meat or, you know, over-consuming through various things that we purchase. And, you know, but it's, it's not like finger-pointing, like, hey, you're bad and you're horrible and I'm mad at you. That kind of thing doesn't work, really. It just turns people off and drives them away, and then they're not going to listen. So really, it, it requires compassion, um, and it's really just giving information 
really, because apparently I'm holding information that some other people don't have. So I just got to share it with them, you know? And I think if all of us do more of that, it's going to help and it's going to help change our culture um, as more and more people understand really how dire the situation is um, and that we need to do differently. And then the other story I've um, been letting go of is the fear. Um, you know, the fear of the future and what's going to happen. And I still hold those concerns, but I can't feel fear all the time. And I really got to thinking about what could be positive out of this time of crisis that we're in. And I've realized that, you know, even though there will be suffering and people will die and there will be hardship, there's a lot of good that could come out of it eventually. So there's going to be a lot of pain in this process. Pain wakes us up. Pain makes us be present and pay attention to what's happening right now. And pain motivates us to seek a solution to remedy that pain. And so as this unfolds and things do get worse for a while, um, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt everybody. I don't think anyone can really escape the pain of what's about to happen. Um, everybody's going to get hit in some fashion. And it's going to wake us up. And change will happen from that. So over the course of human history, all the stuff that has been accomplished so far, which is quite a lot. I mean, we're doing a lot better than the cavemen. Um, humans learn. We're a mental species. We evolve through our intellectual ability. And that's how we change and adapt. And so humans have learned and learned and learned throughout human history. And this is going to be one more chance to learn. And also human strength throughout history is that we're a social species. Um, we're wired that way to be social and to live and work in groups and in societies. And so that social ability is also going to help us. Um, that's our strength. And so really, through this time of crisis, humans are finally going to learn to cooperate in a way that's long overdue. Um, there's often been too much emphasis on competition, both economically and politically and between countries and between people. Um, and that once in a while serves its, its purpose if it's friendly enough. But we really have not um, focused enough on cooperation, especially internationally. And so that's what I see as my role. That's something I can be excited about and I can get up every day and dig into that and feel good about what I have to offer is like my role is to help humanity learn how to cooperate, especially globally. And so what can come out of this process is people will finally learn to come together as like one humanity. And instead of seeing themselves as citizens of their own country or their own tribe or their own political party or whatever it is, they'll see themselves as a member of the human race as a world citizen and that will be huge another benefit is that we'll finally learn to share resources in a way that we haven't so far and learn how to take care of each other so we see these days some people are accumulating obscene amounts of money and resources while other people are going hungry and suffering and, you know, for ages, that's been a huge ethical concern. But now it's a survival concern. Like we're just not going to fix the problems in the world if we allow that to continue. And so the pain as it unfolds is going to cause us to finally 
be motivated to take care of each other in a new way and really look out for the collective. Um, it's going to cause us to build strong communities, you know, both locally and internationally. We're just going to have to band together. And we're going to have to learn to protect nature. It's going to be quite obvious as this unfolds that nature is suffering and we're going to suffer because of that. And a lot of people have lived lives insulated from nature because they live and work inside buildings and they've had all their needs and their food and whatever met. Um, they haven't been up close and personal with nature in a long time. And it's just going to be so painfully obvious now that we need nature and we need a functioning climate. And so if we're going to survive, we're going to learn to live in more sustainable ways. We're going to learn to live with fewer resources and be less consumptive and find happiness in that um, in a way that we haven't so far. And as we learn to survive through this, we're going to learn to be more intentional as a human species and be more forward looking because it will be very obvious that the crisis we're in is because we were not looking ahead to our future and planning for the future. We've been simply stumbling from emergency to emergency and just reacting to what's happening right now instead of actually making plans for the future. And so the downsides of that will be painfully obvious and people will come together to actually be intentional and look out for the future. So these values that I'm talking about, um, they'll no longer be optional. Like we're just going to have to do this stuff if we want to get through. So here I am dealing with these feelings of anger and fear, and you might be also. And I'm not judging people who feel these things or telling you to just like turn it off and don't do that. In fact, it's just the opposite. I think it's important for all of us to just go ahead and feel that stuff and go through it. So even though these last few months have been unpleasant for me, I think it was essential. I think it was part of my growing and grieving process. And it's part of just coming to terms with the reality of what's happening. And so um, I just needed to go through that. But I'm, I'm making a conscious choice to try to be different around this because Anger and fear, they're not intended to be like daily emotions. Those emotions were put into us by, you know, millions of years of evolution for a purpose, to be self-protective. So, you know, the anger is in us to, you know, for when our boundaries are violated or when someone does something mean to us or hurtful to us, the anger is like, for self-protection to inspire us to like, hey, stop that, you're hurting me. Um, but that's just a very focused, like immediate situation. Like I can't be angry day after day after day. It's just, it's too exhausting. You know, and the fear also serves a similar folk purpose, like to say, oh, there's a threat. Let me, you know, get away from the uh, lion that's about to eat me or, you know, the, the next clan is coming over to invade my village or whatever that is. Like fear serves a purpose to deal with a very like momentary right now problem, but it can't work day after day after day. And so we're in this new situation where um, the state of the world can make us feel feelings like this, but we don't really have the emotional bandwidth or structure in us for these new problems where like basically the world around us melts down. And here we are possibly suffering day after day after day or at least anticipating the suffering that might come. Um, it's just a whole new game. And I feel like the sort of emotional structure that 
is built into us through evolution has not quite prepared us for this moment because this moment, like all this stuff is so much bigger than any of our ancestors in human history had to deal with. So here we are trying to figure this out. Um, I think it's something that's kind of not working these days as we try to figure it all out is our public conversations around climate change and other urgent issues. They often tap into these emotions to try to motivate people into action. So you see this in, you know, the news media or in social media, and, and I've even been guilty sometimes of sort of tapping the fear button too often to try to motivate people to pay attention and do stuff and mobilize around this. Um, but it's not sustainable. You know, it's just not going to work for people to be in fear all the time there's just only so much fear in you and it's not going to really work to just keep trying to make people angry and be like you know those damn fossil fuel companies or those crooked politicians or you know those rich guys who are hogging up everything or that kind of anger it's just it's not quite productive to live that way day to day and so what i'm really leaning into instead is an alternative to that is to really focus on my values. Um, like my self-esteem is based on my values and who I am as a person and what I stand for. It's not based on how much money I have or how much, you know, cool stuff I have or my job title or, you know, status or any of that stuff. It's really based on like, can I look myself in the mirror and be okay with who I am? You know, can I sleep easy at night knowing that I'm a good person? Like that's my self-esteem. And so in this time entering this crisis, I ask myself, like, what does a good person do as the world falls apart? It's not really about like my feelings necessarily. It's about what matters and who I am and my values, you know? So what I value, um, I mean, I'll share a few things, but kind of top of the list is honesty and seeing reality for what it is. You know, don't sugarcoat it. Don't, you know, exaggerate it either. Just really take a clear look at what is and then talk honestly about that and not shrink away from important conversations that need to be had, even with people who disagree with me or who know less than me or who have a different worldview than me. The conversations need to happen because that's the only thing we got really is each other getting through this. Um, the other thing I focus on is responsibility and work ethic. Like, what does it mean to be responsible right now um, amid this? Um, what does not feel responsible is to just give up and do nothing and just like hang out and play until the apocalypse happens. Um, I do meet people like that. Um, there are people who are making a choice like, oh my God, they throw up their hands. They're like, it's all so screwed up. I can't make a difference. I just, I give up. I'm not even going to try. Um, but if everyone does that, then things will get so much worse. Like this is really a time for everybody to pitch in and do whatever they can think of to do. If everybody gives up, then the catastrophe will be far worse. And there are various degrees of catastrophe we might have. Like if everybody pitches in and works and we do some good stuff, we can save a lot of lives. We can save a lot of suffering. We can maintain some of our way of life that we value. Um, but if we all throw in the towel and give up, then it all goes to hell. And nobody wants that. I don't want that. So it doesn't feel responsible to me to just stop working. 
I'm just going to keep at it. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do whatever I know how to do to try to help. I also value learning, growing, evolving. And that kind of flows from that whole focus on reality and being honest about it. But it also involves just hanging in there and seeing like, how can I be a better person tomorrow? How can I be a little smarter tomorrow? How can I do even better tomorrow? How can I continue to grow? And that's what we need, all of us, in whatever our own way is, is just keep growing through this and try to keep getting better, even if it is difficult. I also believe in giving my gifts, whatever they are. You know, I mean, I see this to be this podcast, this new organization I'm starting, you know, my abilities to teach people about stuff, the abilities to rally people together and inspire them to cooperate and figure out new structures and methods of cooperation and getting stuff done. That's what I'm good at. And I think the world needs it. Um, but there are so there are like infinite ways to help because we need so much change in all aspects of our society and culture and government and economy in businesses and neighborhoods and schools and just wherever you're at things need to change and there are so many ways to help that everybody can find something wherever you are whether it's local or international whether it's public or whether it's in your own you know life and how you live there's always something to do and so you know i value just trying to live a life of service to others um and i don't know if it's going to work you know um but that's a good value so i'll dig into that i also value community and through all this sort of emotional mess I've been going through, it's become much clearer to me how important my connections with other people are. I can't go through this alone. I can't just suffer with my own thoughts all by myself. It's been huge to have important conversations with people I care about. So my friends and my family, like we're all talking about this stuff. And I find other people who have similar concerns, who are struggling with similar issues. And we kind of help each other out. It's sort of a group therapy around this stuff. And I'm even being really mindful now to seek out additional people that I can talk with about these issues. Um, that's good for my mental health, and it's part of how I manage my emotions. Um, but this focus on community can also be part of how social change happens. So if more and more people do this and have these conversations that are raw, honest, authentic, like really sharing what you're feeling and going through, um, this deepens connection between people and these deeper connections are what we need in order to adapt to the mess that's headed our way but it also can result in social change or even political change so instead of people just simply keeping to themselves about their concerns and their feelings really sharing this is part of how more and more people get on board and really manage their concern and, and start doing stuff. So these important, these conversations are critically important. Um, and just one more value that I believe in is courage. Um, I can't know the future. There's tons of uncertainty in front of us and tons of risk and it might get ugly. I don't know. But Courage in the face of adversity is, I think, something that most of us value. Um, for some of us, it takes some work to cultivate that, including me. I'm not always as courageous as I wanted to be, and I have to work on that. Um, but that's what we need right now. 
even in the midst of all this messy uncertainty, we need to just keep showing up. Um, I find a lot of times there's um, our willingness to show up depends too often on what we think the future will be. Like people only want to put in the work if they're certain that there will be a good outcome. And so with all this uncertainty, there's some people sitting on the sidelines because they're like, well, why should I even try? Why should I put in the work if like it might not even pay off? You know, things might fall apart anyway. Um, there's this sort of tension I see in a lot of these conversations between optimists and pessimists. Um, there's this lot of like trying to predict the future and then arguing about our predictions. So there are some people who are more focused on the negative or the hardship and they're like, oh my God, it's horrible. There's other people that are very optimistic who are just like, oh, it's gonna be great, we'll do it somehow. Um, you know, we'll just have a new technology that'll fix it. Or I don't know, we'll just be positive, it'll work itself out without really being willing to look at the reality of it. Um, I'm seeing these two though, instead of being at odds, they're like both necessary. It's kind of like a yin and yang where the dark and the light balance each other and are kind of essential to each other. So like if we only look at the positive and we're just like, oh yeah, it'll just work out somehow and not look at the reality, then we're not effective because we can't actually solve problems unless we're willing to talk about them and be honest about them and see the full depth of the problems in order to solve it. Um, but then if you're focused only on the negative, then you just get all bummed out and you wanna give up and you just sit there in depression. And it's important for people who are sort of more focused on the negative to see actually that there's a lot of potential in front of us. So right now in human history, we have the most financial resources ever and the most um, economic systems ever that can be used for good to help keep people fed and take care of people and such. You know, we've got science that gives us the ability to understand our situation more than any, any time before. There's a lot of new technologies that, you know, while they're not the entire solution, are very much a part of the solution to try to get things done more effectively. We've got an internet now and global communications, which are huge. And this is really a transformative opportunity for humanity to finally um, r rally together in a global way, do citizenship globally, come together as activists globally to change systems globally. I mean, that's a brand new thing that the internet enables. And um, our ancestors could not have done that. Um, there's governments, which I know are often disparaged and plenty of times more dysfunctional than we want, but they're a tool at our disposal. And I'd much rather have today's modern governments than like a couple hundred years ago with kings and queens and colonies and slavery. Like I'd much rather have now. And those are actually tools that we need to use well. So, you know, even though times are kind of dark, we have tons of opportunity and tools at our disposal. And we have to be mindful of those if we're gonna use them effectively. So really seeing the dark and the light, the positive and the negative is pretty essential in order to just see reality as it is. And problems get solved when we just look at the reality and work at it. So, so here I am now coming out of this time of um, grappling with emotions and I don't know what the future holds. Nobody does. I'm just gonna put in the work and see what happens. Um, 
I would much rather do that than do nothing because then at least I'll know that I tried. And I don't want to feel regrets in the future about seeing things unwind and I didn't even try. I wouldn't really live with myself very well. And I don't want to live with that kind of regret. And I hope that you will try also in whatever way you put goodness into the world. Only you can know what that is. And you got to think and learn and analyze to figure out where you fit. But really, wherever you are, wherever you live, whoever you are, whatever your skills are, um, you have something to offer, and I hope you'll just keep offering it. And I think it's important for us to just trust that others will also. There's no one person that can fix all of this because it's too big and it's beyond what any one person can do. So really, we have to just show up and give our gifts and do the work and just hope for the best and hope that other humans show up also and we'll make the best of this. So that's what I got for you for today. I appreciate you listening and hanging out with me. Um, I'm sorry that it was a little bit dark, but that's the world we live in and here we are going through it. Um, let's just go through this together until next time. Just go be the best person you can be. All right. Take care. Hey, wait, before you go, I need your help. It's small, but really important. Simply listening to this show is great, but doing things and taking action is way more powerful. This is not just a podcast. This show is the voice of a very ambitious grassroots organization, the Human Survival Project. We must transform the United Nations so it's strong enough to manage our global catastrophic threats. Making change happen on this ambitious scale is only possible when people participate and work together. So please, like and subscribe to this show, or leave a comment. You know how this works. With likes and subscribes and comments, you're telling the computer algorithms that you care about this show. So the algorithms will then recommend this show to other people. This is how we grow and reach a bigger audience. And this growth is really important for a global grassroots movement trying to improve how the world operates. We can't do this alone. We need you. Beyond liking and subscribing, here are three other ways you can help. One, share this show with a friend, person to person. A growing audience powers this cause. Two, come to our website, www.thehumansurvivalproject.org. Three, at the website, sign up for our email newsletter and keep up with our progress. I promise you'll like what you see, and it'll help you talk to your friends about what must be done to protect humanity. Thanks to Moby for the show's theme music, and thanks to you for listening, for helping us grow, and for speaking about these important issues with everyone you know. Have an outstanding day. I'll talk to you soon.